them his livelihood, everything. He gave everything because his son demanded it. And not many days after, the younger, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And if you go to verse 30 of that verse, the Bible says with prostitutes. Or the son said with prostitutes. Harlots. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he will gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. I need to stop there just to speak. He felt like a fellow citizen was swine. He wants to dine with the swine. After that, he became a beggar. No one would give him anything. I want to put that in there so later we can come back to it. Verse 17, it said, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Before I go into the story of the prodigal son, I want to give you the background on this particular, why Jesus actually gave this uh, uh, parable to the people, the background on this. In verse 2 of that chapter, Jesus had an accusation made on him, a complaint about him, a complaint about his life. The complaint was that this man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. They couldn't accuse him for preaching to those sinners. That would be wrong because his message could change them and transform their lives. They didn't like what he was doing. They were jealous. Couldn't accuse him for that. But this was something that they could accuse him for. That he received sinners and that he ate with sinners. That's something for the whole world to be joyful about. That Jesus receives sinners. He welcomes them. He eats with them. He fellowships with them. But in so doing, he is transforming their lives. Jesus' reply to their complaint was this. In verse 10, he says, Clearly, there is joy in the presence of angels in heaven... For one sinner that repents. Over one sinner that repents. One thing was missing with the Pharisees. 
this, what Jesus spoke about the angels in heaven, that was the spirit of heaven. The heaven rejoices every time a person turns around and comes to God. And Jesus is willing to welcome him. If you're here this morning and you have not fully come to Jesus, he wants to welcome you into the fold. He wants to dine with you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be there for you through life. He wants to be there for you through eternity. That was the spirit of heaven. Now, the Pharisees were strangers to the spirit of heaven. If you are not a stranger to the spirit of heaven, you will do the works of Jesus. He went about looking for sinners. Amen. He went about looking for sinners. Sometimes he didn't need just to bring joy to the angels and in the, to his Father in heaven. He went about everywhere preaching the word of the kingdom. But not only preaching, he was receiving them. They came to him. He welcomed them. He entertained them. He used his resources for them just to make them come back to the Father. That's the spirit of heaven. And Jesus will not apologize for spending this time. In other words, they're saying, you are a great tribe. You should be in the temple. You should separate yourselves from the rest of them and be with us. But they were sinners also. They were sinners also. And that's the dichotomy that we have. Because people who think they know God really don't know Him. Because if they really know Him, then they will know the heart of God then they will know that the heart of God is for sinners. To bring them in. To bring them into the hospital. And to, to, to tend them and to tend their wounds. To serve them. To minister to them. And to give your life so that these people will come to know God. And Jesus was saying, and now, if you think you are okay, I want you to realize that these others, they need Him. They need the Father. And based on this, he gave this parable. And he told them, as we read, a certain man had two sons. The man he was talking about, that's really the Father. He represented his Father, the Heavenly Father, as a common Father to all men. A common Father to all men. And the children, two of them, represent the rest of us. One may be a Jew and the other a Gentile. One sticking to the law and trying to do what's right, sticking to the rules and all of that, even though lost. And the other one volatile, going, doing his own thing, not caring about God and whatever. That's the, God, the other one, the second son. But they all are from one father. There's a scripture in Malachi Chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Don't we all have one Father? Have we not all one Father? Has not God created all of us? So why do we deal treacherously with one another? Profaning the covenant of a father. Why do we deal treacherously? We have the same Father. The same God created us. 
You're not different from me. I'm not different from you. Why do we deal treacherously with one another? When we do that, we profane the covenant. The covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We all have one Father, especially as believers. He represented that to us. He was the Father. But then, in verse 12, the Son says to His Father, Give me the portion that falls to me. Just give me the portion that falls to me. Notice he didn't say, please give me. He didn't say, Father, if you think it's okay, could you please give me? He was just right. When you take the grace of God for granted, that's the beginning of trouble for your life. Every time you take the grace of God for granted and God's goodness to your life for granted, that's the beginning of trouble. Because you will not be a grateful person. When you take things for granted, things that God has blessed you with, if you take them for granted, you won't be a grateful person. You complain and you find fault with everything. You know, many times I say to myself, many Americans need to be taken uh, to the third world. And see what's going on in the third world. When they get back, they'll kiss the earth. With thanksgiving. That's true. But when you are grateful, then you appreciate what's been delivered to you. And then you can truly enjoy what's been delivered to you. If you don't have a grateful heart, you can enjoy what you, what you have. You're always more concerned about what you don't have. Instead of enjoying what you already have. And that's the problem. Focus on the things you have, not what you don't have. That's the problem with this kid. He wasn't happy, even though he had everything. He wasn't happy. He wanted out of everything that had been given to him. The younger son wanted his liberty. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks. For all things to God. Giving thanks always. How often? Always for all things to God the Father. Through Jesus Christ the Son. Our Lord. It's always good to give thanks. Because if you don't give thanks. Then you begin to act funny. And you begin to go away. Ingratitude is a problem. You know, when you're not grateful to God, you can get more from Him. 
Because it says, give thanks always to God the Father. Through Jesus. If you have children and it's, they believe it's their rights, before long you begin to wonder, I work for this stuff, right? <laughs> it's just my right. There was a, a story about a, a lady that was uh, not a true story. I think it was a joke. Uh, but just to illustrate, it, you know, what happens with people who are ungrateful. And that's exactly what this young man was. This woman had gone to the beach and was staying very close to the water. And the wave came in and she had a little boy, lovely little boy sitting by her. And then this mighty wave came in. And then as the wave went back, took the boy. And she didn't know what happened to the boy. Melvin, she said, Melvin, where are you? And then she realized, oh, the water must have taken my son. So she started crying out to God, God, please hear me. Have mercy upon me and give me back my lovely son. And she said, God, believe me, I will be eternally grateful to you. I will be kind to my mother-in-law from this day on. I will no longer cheat on my tax return. God, I will stop smoking. Anything. Anything. I'll do anything you want me to do, God. Just anything. Just give me back my son. And as she was praying, the waves returned and, and, and the, the son was delivered. And then she looked at the son and she, she looked up and said, God, but he had a hat. <laughs> Never satisfied. You can tell she's not going to keep any of that. That mother-in-law is not going to be treated kindly. <laughs> because God didn't send the son back with the hat. There's something about the father that was so unique. The father immediately, no argument. I'm sure there was a reason why he was demanding it. Probably he thought, we're coming to that. The father wasn't good enough. Or whatever the reason was. But there was a problem there. He wanted something for himself. And he demanded it. Give it to me. But the father took inventory of everything he had, all his living, and divided everything and gave to his children. And divided them. Now, in that time, uh, the older one will have a double portion. And notice... This guy had this thing delivered to him. He spent a few days at home with his property. And then he gathered everything, the Bible tells us in verse 14, and he left for a far country, away as far as he could get from his father. It's way, way out. But the father gave everything to him. Now, why did in your mind, you think he did that. Why did he ask the father for his portion? You know what? one reason I can think of? Impatience. 
I want it now. I'm sure he was aware his father was busy gathering everything, working hard with the son and him, uh, with the servant, gathering everything for himself. No, a natural father will eventually die, right? He was gathering everything for who? For his children. But no, he wanted to have fun now. Give it to me right now. That's what was the problem. I need it right now. Give it, give it, give everything to me. What belongs to me? I want it right now. There is that impatience. It's the instant gratification culture that we have. We want it right now. And nobody's thinking about the future. No future. I've got to take care of what I got to use, what I have right now. Give it to me. I want it right away. And I'm not going to wait. Give it to me. This is the reason why many of our kids are in trouble today. Because they are only thinking about satisfying their flesh right now. They are not thinking about the consequences of the future, what's going to happen to them in the future. And adults are doing exactly the same. You make decisions based on your feelings. And wanting to enjoy yourself and to, to feel free or whatever that is, you make the decisions, but you're not thinking about the consequences of your decision in the future. You want it right now. It's like you go to McDonald's, you better give it to me right now, or I'll go to uh, Whataburger. You're not fast enough. You got to have it right away. Many people are looking mainly to the things that they can see. Not to the things that they can't see. And the Bible wants us on that. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18. He says, while we do not look to the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. Those things that you see in this world, they are temporal. You are an eternal soul. Walk for your eternal life. Think about your future. You are eternal, an eternal being. You are not just going to be here on the earth alone. A lot of people spend so much time wasting their time here to gather things for themselves, but they forget about eternity. You die and leave everything behind. You waste so much time trying to gather and you're not thinking about heaven. You are an eternal soul. Don't abandon your heavenly father just to have fun. Your soul is more important. We don't look to the things that are temporal, but the things that are eternal. That's what is important. This kid wasn't thinking about that. All he wanted to do, I'm going to have fun, and I think my father is stopping me from having fun. I want my person. Secondly, he was weary of his father's rule over his life. Weary of that. In his father's house, there was order. Boundaries. Hello. Good order. Discipline. A lot of kids want to get away from that. 
They think, Father, it's too hard. I want my freedom. I want to be my own man. Hello? I want to do my own thing. That's what's the problem here. I want to be free. I can't stay under this. It's too hard. But everything the father was doing was for his good. Not for the father's good, but he wanted out of it. But let me tell you this. God will allow you to do whatever you want to do. But you will have to face the consequence. God will allow it. Wherever you want to go, God will allow it. He wanted to be free from his father's burden. He didn't want that. And that's what people do. They want the courts of God over their lives, the restraining courts of God over their lives, preventing you from destroying yourself. But to, to them, this is too restrictive. They want to throw that off and put on the courts of lust and destroy themselves with it. Not thinking about the future. He wanted to go his own way. He wanted to be his own man. He knew better than his daddy. I, don't, I didn't want all these restrictions. Father, it's too hard. I want to be free. I want to have fun. Just let me go. And so, you know why I know that? He went as far as he could from his daddy. You know why people don't want to believe there is a God? Because if they believe there is a God, then his eyes must be watching everything they do, right? Because <laughs> you know, when you're doing wrong, God saying, one guy, if I saw the, heard this story, the guy was going to steal something, so he looked this way, he looked that way, he looked behind, he looked around, and uh, he was going to move and said, you didn't look up. Somebody watching from upstairs. Okay? But when you believe there is a God, His eyes watch. Sometimes a parent's eyes guide the, the child. They know the parents are watching. And then you restrict them from getting into trouble. The closer we stay to God, the better it is for our lives. The more you stay away from God, the more you find yourself in real trouble. It's better to stay very close to God. That's the place to be. Stay under God's government. Stay under God's rule. It will be better for you. God doesn't tell us to do anything for, that will benefit Him. When God gives you a law, it's for your benefit. That doesn't benefit Him. It won't add anything to Him. He's God. He doesn't have any need. He has everything. It's usually for us. If we think He's restricting us. No, it's really for us. So that life will be well with us. And he says it in the scripture. That it may be well with you. Wherever you go. When he gives his word. That it may be well with you. When he says to pray. That it may be well with you. When he says to forgive. That it may be well with you. When he says to share the gospel with people. That it may be well with you. Because as you go out. God fills you with his resources. In other words. You position yourself. So that God can bless you. Now I've often said this here. The moon has no light of its own. The moon shines based on its position in relation to the sun. And so you position yourself by listening to what God says. So that you can shine. So that God can bless you. 
That's the only reason God's saying, don't go here, go to this place. So put some boundaries in your life. There are things that may be okay for them, but it's not okay for us. There are places for them to go and have fun, but it's not for me. I'm not going there. You have to decide where you should go and where you shouldn't go. It's very important. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Come out from among them. Don't go where they go. Don't run the way they are running. Stay with your God. That's what is important. This young man didn't want any of those restrictions. He wanted his own life. So he wanted to take off away from his father to do his own thing. Number three is he distrusted, distrusted his father's uh, ability to manage. <laughs> That's my thinking. Have you young people think that is old-fashioned? You don't get it. You tell them something, he says, Daddy, no one is doing what you're saying. You're old-fashioned, I'm telling you. What you're saying to do now, no one is doing that. We are the modern generation. We know better. And children always think they know better than their, than their parents. And I was like that too until I grew up. Then I realized I wasn't as smart as I thought. Because you're always thinking you know better. Listen to your parents. They know better. They've been here longer than you have been. Amen. Listen to them. Young people, listen to your parents. Not only your parents. If the guy has been through some stuff, he has some lessons to tell you about. I mean, life treats people. I mean, he'll treat you too. They've been through it. And you see the lines on their face, those lines, <laughs> they're not there for no reason. It's life dealing with them. And if they're willing to share with you some of the things they pass through, listen, you will be wise. Amen. Amen. You will be wise. You certainly will be wise. Listen to them. This kid probably thought, I can manage better than my daddy. Lie. <laughs> I'll do better than him. Should have listened and said, Daddy, how did you get all these things done? He said, Son, you got two hours? Let me teach you. And come back two hours later tomorrow. Let me show you how. He didn't do that. We do that with our Heavenly Father when we listen to what others are saying and we neglect what His advice is from the Word of God. This is the book from the ancient of days. He's been through all of it. He knows all. He can share with you. You're looking for answers? They're in this book. This is the manual for life. Pick it up. I mean, you can read any part of it. You will find consolation. But believe me, go to any part. It's happened to me. No matter what. I go, go back to that scripture in the Old Testament and I get something out of it. He blesses you all the time. He's God's blessings for us. He didn't trust his father. He was going to be his own man. I want to be my own man. Now, how well did he do on his own? Let's not talk about that, right? How well did he do on his own? The Bible tells us, he went out and he wasted his goods 
with prodigal leaving. Going out as far from his father. He went from a state of righteousness to a sinful state. With his father and his father's influence on his life, that was a state of righteousness because that's the father's presence. His father is his righteousness. He's no longer under his father. He's on his own. When you leave God's presence, and that's what happened to mankind, just like Adam, they wanted to be their own people. They wanted to be like God. They didn't want to be under God's control. And you know what happened? Death. The sinful state. Notice what he did. He left his father and went into a far country. You know what that represents? The world. When you leave God, you will go to the world. Just two places. No, no other place to go. If you live following God, you live serving God, guess where you're going? You're going to the world. If you're not satisfied as a Christian, you're not joyful as a Christian, it's too restrictive, as young people would do, they listen to their parents, they listen to the words, but they're waiting for an opportunity. As soon as they leave home, freedom. They don't want any influence from their parents. Guess what happens? You'll go away from God. Now listen. He went into a far country, which is the world, and the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. When you love the things of the world and you, there's a draw from the world, you become an enemy of God. When church, going to church and loving God becomes something that is painful for you to do, a burden for you, is something you just do, guess what? You're slowly going away. And if the world is what gives you your joy, you've left God. You should find God I mean, find joy in the things of God. You know, I do remember years ago in, in, in college, I was in the University of Georgia. I had a guy that hated me real bad. And I didn't know why he hated me. I had no idea. I mean, we were from the same country and lived in the same place. He, he, he made it very clear. But one day he was talking to himself. And I was shocked. I didn't know that that was my person. But he said to himself, I read loud, how can a person... All his fun is in church. That's where he goes to have fun. What kind of a person is that? Implying that those who go to church are weird because that's where they get fun. And I'm one of the weird ones. And I went into my room and rejoiced. I didn't know what he thought about me, but if that's what he thinks about me, that's a good thing. I have fun in church. That's where I have my joy. Can I hear an amen? That's where it is. Where I have the peace of God. Where I can go into God's heart. I was, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of my God. 
I was glad when they said to me, let us go into God's house. David said, look, I'm in the wilderness. I long to be in the house of God. Like a deer. You remember that, that song? Yeah, he wanted to be in God's house. Just to be in his presence. And when you don't enjoy God's presence, you are loving the world and you are becoming an enemy of God. And that's what happened. He went so far where God's eyes, God's eyes could not be on this young man and he was out of the will of God. This the sinful state. Away from God, departure from God. The second thing about the sinful state is it's a spending state. A wasteful state. Where you misemploy your thoughts and the powers of your soul in vain things. You misspend your resources, your time for things that will not benefit your life, will not benefit you eternally. That's the sinful state. When you are away from your heavenly father and in a far country, no restriction, you can do whatever you want, you think you're having fun, there is no greater slavery than to go away from God into a far country. You want to be free, but now you are more bound than what you, the way you were before you left. God wants us to be free in him. Remember what Jesus said? If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The sinful state is also a state of want. You know why? When you go out and you are away from God, you no longer have a shepherd. There is no shepherd for your life. You are on your own. You have to make it on your own. Without God in the world. How can you make it? There's the devil in the world. You want good things? Stay with God. The Bible is clear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. You are lying down in goodness. You turn to the left, it's green. You turn to the right, it's green. You can roll over, it's all green. That's the God that we serve. You go away from Him, you will be in dry pastures. He leads you to that still water where you can have peace, no much trouble. He guides you in the paths of righteousness. Why? His name's sake. You know why? The Lord loves the righteous and surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. That's Psalm 5 verse 12. But when you are outside God, no more favor from heaven. God's no longer smiling on you. And that's what this kid found. When you go away from God, it may seem right, everything is right, I'm okay, I'm on my own now, I'm spending, I'm having fun, but believe me, famine is coming. Famine is coming. It's a state of want. He was in that condition for a while. You don't want to do that. 
you stay with God, there will be trouble. For sure, troubles will come. But the Bible says, because the Lord is your shepherd, if you keep Him as your shepherd, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have no reason to be afraid. You know why? God's with you. But outside there, He's not with you. But you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Everyone goes through it. The rain, Jesus spoke of in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7. The very end of chapter 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to what? A wise man that built his house on the rock. You build your house on the rock when you stay with the Father. If not, the rain will come. The storm will come. And it's going, it will beat on your house. Every house. If you are not with the Lord, you're going down. That's the only place to be. To be with Him. To have life and life more abundantly. Amen? I'm going to stop here today because it's a series. We're going back because we're going to go through how he came back to himself. One of the things is, if you are away from God, like this prodigal son, it's the state of madness to go away from God. It's a state of madness. And may God help you recover. <laughs> it's funny where people will just leave the church and go out and be acting crazy. I can't understand that. You're really asking for trouble. You have, you're asking to be a fellow citizen with swine. Oh yes. And eat with them. May God help you wake up and go back to your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. That's what this is all about. Bow your heads with me tonight, this morning. Sorry. If you're here... We need to make a decision. I'm going to stay with God. Or I'm coming back home to God. All heads bow. Be sincere with yourself and with God today. How many say here, I need Jesus in my life. And I need Him today. Because you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. And let me put it this way. If you die today... Are you sure you will make it to heaven? If you step out of this building and somehow something happened to you and you happen to pass into eternity, are you sure you will be in heaven? If there is no certainty in your heart that you will be with God, then I'm speaking to you today. You need Jesus in your life and you can settle that matter once and for all by raising up your hands and saying, I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you at the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Would you all pray with me? As this one's really give everything to God. And please, when you give to God, give without reservation. Give everything. And let God guide you. Say with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world
to die for my sins. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior this very day. Lord Jesus, I ask the Father in your name that you forgive me for all of my sins. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward and forevermore. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you put your hands together? Let's thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. The key thing is this. If you have received Christ, the best place to grow is to make sure you join a small group fellowship. We have small group meetings in our church. They are thriving. They're thriving right now. Please make sure you are a part of a small group meeting. It's very important. I go to one on Mondays, and uh, we're encouraging everyone to be a part of our small group meetings. Yeah, they are doing very well. And I want to thank all those that are holding these small groups. We want everyone that's a part of our church to be in a small group meeting. That's where you will grow.